All right, Keith Baldry, Baldry's Beat. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's talk about the snow and ice on the road. We started the show today talking about that, and we were just talking off the air about winter tires. And you know, yeah. for people who, if you're driving on those so-called all-season tires, they're not all-season tires. They're three-season tires. They don't work in the winter. You need the winter tires. You need the all-weather tires. There's a lot. We interviewed uh, someone from, I think it was from Transportation Ministry yesterday on Global. Uh, point out many people who were suddenly in trouble on the cut on the upper levels. Um, heavy snowfall were with you know summer tires. I mean, it, it, there's a there's a certain level of self uh, responsibility here. If you don't have the right equipment, and that includes tires, why would you go out in multi centimeters of snow? Yeah. Uh, you've got to take precautions yourself, and don't expect the contractors who have a Kind of a spotty record. I heard your callers earlier. Burnaby Street seemed to be great, but then you get to Vancouver, they're not where near as good. Uh, the provincial government's getting some flack for its contractors not having a consistent plowing policy on some of these roads. But at the end of the day, the buck rests with the driver. You can't expect pristine, safe conditions if you don't have the proper equipment. Yeah, so you mentioned that. Do you think that typically there's sort of a patchwork from municipality to municipality and road maintenance? You know, I, I tweeted last night, Brad West, Mayor of Pocoquitlam, seemed yeah. to be on the road last night with uh, with crews about just being very proactive about getting crews out there and plowing the streets. And some municipalities seem to be better than others when it comes to getting the, the roads clear. Yeah, he was out there posting pictures saying, here's the condition of our roads right now. The roads We've got the roads cleared. So taking a very proactive mm-hmm. uh, measure there as the mayor. And you mentioned some other municipalities seem to do better than others. Let's have a listen to the mayor of Delta here, George Harvey, who thinks he, he's pointing the finger at the province and their contract with snow removal companies. He's not happy about it. Here's what he has to say. The province has to be a leader here and ensure that the main corridors, uh, all the bridges, the provincial highways, uh, they can handle that. And I don't think they can right now. Mm-hmm. It's been shown well, that they can't. Speaking of yeah, well, he's, he's got a makes a good point. I mean, provincial highways are the purview of the provincial government. They've got private contractors. Not like you've got government staff sitting around doing this. These are private companies that are contracted to clear the snow. And again, yesterday we were getting frustrated calls from motorists who were reporting that uh, plows weren't in operation on a number of highways. Okay, as you mentioned, like some people will be out there on bad tires, inappropriate tires. Do you think lower mainland drivers are bad drivers compared to, say, the north and interior of BC or elsewhere in Canada? Well, I heard one of your callers uh, talking about the Kootenays and yeah. versus the West Coast. The snow is wet on the West Coast coast yeah. it's it's a wet damp snow there's more ice on the west coast yeah. so it's not, i don't think that people are worse drivers i just think they're inexperienced in this type of snow it doesn't happen very often it seems to be happening with increased regularity but it doesn't happen very often but i think uh someone in in uh, cranbrook is probably very comfortable driving in the snow because it's a dry powder yeah. whereas in the west coast it's just slushy wet stuff. and you can also get that sort of melting freezing kind of yeah thing going. You know, and we're seeing Victoria here today. We've got a it's a few flurries, but yeah. I've just been driving the roads. They're, they're perfectly fine. But, you know, Victoria doesn't have a snowplow. There's a little bit of black ice around, though, too. You've got to be, yep. you've be, very be careful. cautious. Yeah, but again, there's some, take some self-responsibility here. Don't expect contractors and governments of various levels to save you on icy streets if you don't have the right tires. Okay, get set to call me on that if you like. Let's talk about the um, $400 renter's rebate and the reason i wanted to ask you about this today is later on the show we're going to be talking about 
the rental jungle out there in Metro it Vancouver. Is a jungle. I'm going to speak to a guy who's looking for a, a decent, affordable place to rent, and he's having some trouble finding a decent suite to rent for himself. And this is a successful business guy, you know, but even he's finding the prices are astronomical. The places he goes and looks at are quite often a, a dump. The ads online are, are often misleading. You know, you, mm-hmm. the pictures are not an accurate reflection or there's a lot of scams out there too. It's not I mean, just Vancouver. It's same in the capital here yeah. and other parts of the province. It's a, it's a real nightmare for people trying to find good rental accommodation at an affordable price. It's just, it's very elusive. Okay, let's go back into the Wayback Machine here. This is 2017. This is then Premier John Horgan uh, on the campaign trail. Listen to his promise here. $400 today is $400 more than they're getting from B.C. Liberals, a freeze on hydro rates, and a commitment to make sure we've got their back. Okay, well, we've got your back with a $400 renter's rebate. Now, remember that promise was, not, it was going to be a universal program. doesn't matter about your income. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you're high income, low income. Everyone was going to get $400 cash in their claw money if you're a renter. That was five years ago. Never well, happened. And EB, David EB, the new premier, is saying he still intends to deliver on this? Yeah, he says, uh, but no timeline. Um, again, they're sitting on a $6 billion plus surplus, so I'm not sure why they can't do this now. But, you know, having said that, I'm not sure a $400 renter rebate <laughs> is going to crack the market here. I mean, no. it's, it's, it's a check. Uh, but rents aren't going to go down as a result, and rents aren't going to be spaces aren't going to be available as a result. It's simply a check to to renters. Uh, it was like he, I think it was a one time payment too. One time payment. Yeah. Uh, Eb says he's still committed to it, but again, no indication of a timeline in terms of when those checks will actually be cut. I think it was straight up vote buying, is what it was. Well, it was similar <laughs> to um, it was a part and parcel of the whole affordability. A campaign the NDP ran in 2017, which also included getting the tolls off the bridges. Yeah, remember uh, that was the affordability campaign, and uh, but that renters rebate five years later was still no sign of it. But again, I don't think it's going to solve the rental crisis. It's going to need much more than that. Okay, get set to call me on that one too. Let's talk about a uh, little federal politics here. Federal Conservative leader Pierre Polyev. Let's have a listen to him speaking last week. It is true that Canadians are hurting, but it is our job as the official opposition to turn that hurt into hope, to inspire people that uh, a real uh, improvement in their lives is possible, that the dream that brought them here as immigrants or with which the dream with which they were raised when they were born here can be rekindled. That is our purpose. Okay, Pierre Polyev speaking last week. Now, speaking of hurting, though, let's take a look at his opinion polls here, Keith. So this is from the Angus Reid Institute. His uh, Conservative Party leader net approval ratings after the first three months as party leader. He's down 20%. Yeah, 20 points. Wow. Yeah, no. It's, Why? Uh, we, we talked about this last week. I mean, they're dismal showing in the Mississauga Lakeshore by-election. Yeah. The Angus Reid poll also shows he's in particular trouble with women voters, which is never a spot politicians want to be in. Um, You lose the soccer mom vote, you're not going to win, you're not going to form government. So he's, uh, I I think his message hasn't, his message seems to be one of anger and frustration. And while that's representative of many people out there, I'm not sure that's the most captivating way to to attract voters. This is an interesting poll that they've done here because what it looked, it looked back at previous Conservative Party leaders, their performance over their first three months as leader. Harper's approval ratings over the first three months as leader of the Conservative Party went up 26 points. Mm -hmm. So Canadians took a shine to him when he became the Conservative leader. Andrew Scheer um, even basically didn't go up or down. 
Aaron O'Toole went down six points during his first three months as party leader. Apoliev, the worst numbers here. I mean, if you, if you, I mean, you know, polls, pre polls yeah. between elections don't mean a, a whole lot, but okay. you know, these are troubling numbers. That's not the trend you want. And also, Trudeau's approval rating is up at a really? time when his brand has been sort of taken it on the chin. I mean, the Liberals won more than fifty percent of the vote in Mississauga Lakeshore, even though it was writing they held. Uh, the Conservatives held that writing before as well. And the Conservative vote absolutely tanked or didn't show up yeah. uh, in that election, uh, in, in that by-election. So, no, the, the year's ending on not the right note for Pierre Polio. Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's beat. Lots of calls. Ed in South Surrey. Hi, Ed. Go ahead. Hi, guys. Yeah, I, I kind of liked Polyev when he was taking on uh, the Liberals and SNC Lavalin and stuff, but uh, he's he's really turned into a bit of a joke. I I don't appreciate crass populism. I don't think it's it reflects Canada very well, and I don't think it reflects the majority of the electorate very well. And hitching your wagon to health issues and threatening to fire uh, Bank of Canada chairs and stuff like that—it's just idiocy. Uh, and uh, I. I I won't vote for him ever. Thanks. Thank, thank you for the call. Well, again, so Poliev hasn't talked about firing the Bank of Canada for a couple months no. now. So he's he's trying to distance himself, I think, away from those kind of weird positions backing cryptocurrency, which is now a complete joke, um, you know, attacking the World Economic Forum, these conspiracy theories, hitching his wagon to the trucker convoy, all this type of stuff. He's got to get rid of that stuff. That's become baggage for him. He's got to start talking about real-life policies for people, and that means not being so much an opposition leader. If you want to be government, you've got to be seen as the government in waiting, and he's got a long way to go before he gets to that part. Yeah, let's go to Daryl on the line in Coquitlam. Hi, Daryl. Go ahead. I just want your opinion on uh, Polyev seems to be absent except for when he's in the House of Commons during question period. He doesn't talk to the local press uh, or the national press. He doesn't take questions. Yesterday... For a year-end interview, he sent out Andrew Scheer to the national press. He doesn't even appear. Can, can I get your take on that, on, on why he seems to be so absent? Your thoughts. Yeah, well, so he, he seems to have a pitch war with the Ottawa Press Gallery. He doesn't talk to national media, um, but he does. he's appeared on this program. You know, he's been on this program. Yeah. I mean, he was on the Jazz Joe Hall show yeah, a couple he, of weeks he ago. Does, he does local. Um, but he doesn't do a lot. Doesn't do a lot of media, but he does the odd local media, yeah. you know, to be fair. But he doesn't do national media. I think he sees the media. He does very as, little. He does very little compared to even Andrew Shear, Aaron O'Toole. I mean, Aaron O'Toole was on this program practically a lot. weekly. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think Polia views the media, again, part of that conspiracy theory type thing which is where it's the enemy you know we're got to do an end run around well he said straight up at one point i'm going to go around the yeah. the mainstream press yeah. and i'm going to talk to people directly on social media he does social uh, media and he does social media and that works well to an extent but it, it goes counter the typical kind of opposition political strategy which is normally you want to you want to be doing a lot of press. You want to be talking to reporters all the time. And like I remember, I remember when Glenn Clark, when I first started working in the press gallery in Victoria, uh, and you were there as well. Glenn Clark, when he was in opposition, Mo Sahoda, mm -hmm. Dan Miller, these guys were in the press gallery all the time, Constantly. talking to the talking to the media when now, social there, credit was in power. There was no social media back then. It was yeah. all you know mainstream media, so yeah. so called. Um, but social media only takes you so far, particularly when you're talking to older voters who tend to vote more than younger voters. Older voters don't aren't engaged in social media anywhere no. near 
right. like 20-year-olds, for example. So, and the conservative voters tend to be older. Yeah. And so he's not getting through to them, I don't think. Peter on the Iron Workers Bridge. Hi, Peter. Go ahead. <laughs> Hi there. Yeah, I just wanted to give a little input, uh, feedback on, on what you guys were saying about the cut yesterday. And and uh, just FYI, I have nice, beautiful Michelin X-Ice radials. I'm out driving in my four-wheel drive around and, and doing okay. But, uh, you know, I want to point out, we knew this snowstorm was coming. Environment Canada told us. Uh, the district North Vancouver, in which the cut is located, but that particular piece of road is maintained and under the authority of the Ministry of Transport, the rest of the district of North Vancouver is working pretty well. So if it was all the cars and not the preparation of the road, why wasn't every other district in North Vancouver Street choked with slipping cars? Because presumably we all got there somehow, but every single resident that was on social media yesterday was saying they didn't salt, they didn't brine, they knew it was coming, they didn't prepare. So you you blame -hmm. blame the province then? Mm -hmm. Well, both. Both. I mean, Both. certainly, certainly, we, you know, like I'm not going out of the house unless I got my Michelin excise radials, right? Like yeah. I'm not going to become part of the problem. But, but um, you know, it's not, you know, like it's disingenuous to just blame the car drivers when the cars all got there somehow. And I would also point out there is no major, more major piece of infrastructure in the lower mainland than the Trans-Canada Highway. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the call. Yeah. So, yeah, we we were covering this yesterday, scrambling to get some answers from the Ministry of Transportation who were late in providing information. But they, again, um, did not blame the contractor. They blamed the drivers for not having the, the right tires. But, again, there's some serious questions about, and this has happened from time to time, where the, are the contractors doing enough, particularly, as the caller points out, when everyone knew this storm was coming? Yeah. Was there adequate preparation? So far, according to the drivers, there was not. And there's more coming. There's more snow on the way. Clint in Surrey. Hi, Clint. you got 30 seconds here. Uh, comment. What about the sidewalks? They do nothing with the sidewalks. I don't drive a car. I, I walk on the sidewalks. Well, the sidewalks are typically the responsibility of the homeowner, the homeowner. right? No, no, no. Along, along like 104th in Surrey and 152nd in Surrey. Okay, so you're saying that that should be the municipality's responsibility sure, to sure clear there? Should be. Okay. Yeah, there's no yeah. there's no houses along there or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, I think these these snowstorms and not just this year, previous years as well shows again snow removal is not a priority for governments because it rarely happens. And so they divert all the resources into something that's more frequently occurring. So you're going to see a lot more lawn so cutting they don't, they don't municipalities like, than snow clearing. They don't like spending millions of dollars in snow plows that sit, sit, idle, sit idle 98% three, of the year? 360 days okay. of the year.